0: and Field Outfitters, the fly shop and guide service located in Bend, Oregon. We specialize in fly fishing the Lower Deschutes River, Cascade Lakes, Crooked River, the Fall River, and many other fisheries in the area. Tune into our podcast for updates on fishing reports, techniques, tactics, and fishing stories. Hey, with Guide Service Manager, Griff Marshall, uh, coming to check in on the Lower Deschutes and salmon fly fishing over the past couple weeks, and some of the things we might be able to expect the next coming weeks on the Lower Deschutes, specifically from Warm Springs to Trout Creek. So, uh, yeah, Griff, how's it been down there?
1: It's been good. It's actually been just about a month now that we've been running trips. And uh, the river opened just a little over a month ago, and we've been running trips on the on the day stretch as well as uh, from Trout Creek down to Maupin on the camp stretch. And, uh, yeah, the fishing's been pretty good. You know, we had... We had really good early season uh, nymph fishing and then uh, followed by fairly consistent dry fly over the last couple few weeks as the hatch has moved upriver uh, and now and now it's really happening in in the day stretch provided that the Sun comes out and it, and it warms up a
0: little bit have you had some uh, pretty good days down there as far as top water stuff going or are you find it a little bit slower we've had kind of a mix of weather you know putting bugs down putting them up the next day they go down um, what, what's it been like for you on the river
1: you know it's, it we've had enough nice days and we haven't had prolonged cold stretches for the most part since the adults have been out so it haven't really had big lulls in the action for sure the warmer days uh, the bugs just get more active when it's warm so Uh, You know, you have more bugs flying around, the wind blows, knocks them down on the river and all of a sudden they're trout food and the fish keying on them a little bit more. But I would say the last three weeks uh, working our way up from mopping and then through the camp stretch into the day stretch, you could pretty much catch a fish on a dry fly any day. Um, during that period and then there were some certainly some days where it really heated up Um, we had some some days last week on the day stretch and then uh, before that down the camp stretch some days where it was yeah the fish were pretty much just blowing up on on every big fly that was
0: falling in in the river awesome yeah it's always a fun time uh, catching fish and seeing your clients get excited about a big fish eating a big fly
1: I'm not sure who gets more excited, honestly, man. I spend <laughs> I spend more time giggling when I'm guiding down there this time of year. You know, every one of them fish that comes up out of either a foot off the bank, right next to some you know overhanging grass, where typically they're not hanging out. But you throw the big fly in there, and you have a fish blow up on it. Or what's even cooler to watch uh, for me as a guide is being up on a riprap bank and and throwing it out over some water that's behind a tree that might be you know six eight feet deep and man the second that fly hits the water you just see the fish torpedo up to crush the thing and it's not that uncommon for the fish just to flat-out miss it you know they're yeah. so excited man they're charging up at that thing and they'll they'll jump out of the water and miss the fly and if the client doesn't yank the fly off the river which is the hardest thing at that point they'll come back and try and eat it again
0: yeah.
1: you know um, yeah once they get a taste for that big bug man they they just want more of it so it's a, it's a super fun time to be down there guiding. I, I did get a couple of sessions in, a couple of last light sessions um, down on the camp stretch when either the clients would just invite me to go out fishing with them or they'd be pooped from a day on the river and want to hang out in camp and I'd go out and, and uh, take a big purple chubby and go fish some camp water and, and just watching the way the fish eat that fly. It's just It never gets old. You know, it's, 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 and, I, and I, I really do just find myself chuckling a lot during the salmon fly hatch down there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fun watching fish come from the depths for sure and crush fly once or twice and yeah, nothing better. They don't do that for mayflies. No. no. no they like <laughs> sipping those, right? Yeah. That's right.
1: Yeah, it's a more
0: casual eat. So, speaking of mayflies, um, typically when we're fishing dry flies, we like, you like to think of a nice, long tapered leader you know seven and a half to at least nine feet maybe longer or shorter depending on the situation how would you typically rig for fish and salmon fly on the deschutes oh man it doesn't have
1: to be much longer than seven or eight feet and and i'm down when i'm fishing chubbies we're down to two and three x yeah just just nylon uh, and they are not these fish are not tippet shy and, and, you know, over the years, having been down there, I swear that the fish feels the fly land and it just triggers a response. It's sort of like, you know, we don't get to do a lot of grasshopper fishing around here. It just isn't, isn't something that we get a ton of in central Oregon. But a lot of rivers where I have fish with grasshoppers, when they're around, I think it's the same thing. They hit the water just hard enough that the fish actually feels the, the commotion above them on their lateral Uh, Stripe and it just triggers this feeding response. So, yeah, we do not have to get all far and fine. And and as a matter of fact, what people who who do tend to get longer leaders and tippet, lighter tippet on these big bugs is the tippet tends to get really spun up because these flies have a lot of windage. And so when they're in the air, they're spinning around. And so you'll get these kind of wads of of twisted up leader and tippet if you're fishing too long and too too light with with either chubbies
0: or or stimulators you get the same thing totally so with just the progression of salmon fly fishing right we obviously they start off as nymphs you fish the nymphal migration um, and then you start seeing adults hit the water and that kind of thing how do you decide what fly do you choose first do you always go for the chubby you fish a chubby a different time of day or you start with a more natural pattern like a clarks or whatever it may be what's a what does it look like for you normally or also on that if you see fish eating flies but your big fly is not eating how do you typically uh, go around that
1: yeah the, the chubby is is a fun fly because it's so easy to see um, and for whatever reason, when when they're on that thing, uh, you know, they really they there's just no hesitation, and they'll and they'll charge up and crush it. And that's you know on the busy days where there's just so many flies on the water, and the fish just get into a, a feeding frenzy. Uh, also earlier in the morning, and then last light, I'm fishing that purple chubby every time. Um, but there are days where, uh, especially against the banks right behind trees where you know you'll start to see swirls under under the the chubby and it's time at that point to switch over we have a a great um egg laying stimulator fly here and we got them in fours and in sixes and um it's just basically a big stimulator with that egg pouch hanging off the back of it and uh it's it's that one really spins up even on 3x leader that big stimmy will spin leader and tip it up so it's not my favorite fly and it's just got so much windage it's not my favorite fly to cast or to have clients casting but there are certainly days where that thing will get eaten when the chubby won't and then yeah the the, the normwoods uh, especially when we start targeting more goldens um, you know we do have golden colored chubbies but um yeah i think that by the time we really start working that fly, uh, you know, these fish have seen every chubby it's been going on for a couple of few weeks. The, the salmon fly is tapering off. The golden stones are still around and they're just not quite as aggressive. So yeah, that, that, you know, smaller profiled fly tends to work
0: better, you know, towards the end of the hatch for sure. Sweet. So awesome. Uh, typically, um, salmon fly and stone fly hatches are a very exciting thing for anglers in central Oregon what kind of things can they look out for to know when the salmon fly might be going off or getting started like water temps where can they look and what kind of temps and that thing kind of stuff are they looking for for salmon fly fishing
1: yeah most most of the entomologists agree that the bigger stones the spring stone flies Um, your goldens and your salmon flies uh, tend to start their migration when the water temperature hits 54 55 degrees that's um, you know that's the textbook version Uh, how long does it have to be that temperature during the day and how many days in a row does it have to hit that temperature that's probably up for debate but for sure when you know we're still looking at 50, 51 degree water temps, we're not expecting that big bug to be on the move. If there's a f- big flow change, now that can also spur big bug movement, You know, as the flies will move from rock to rock if the flows go up or down. But typically speaking, 54 degrees is when we expect to see the big nymphal migration start. And then it's game on typically for about a week. And then you'll start seeing them on the on the grass next to the bank, and they might not be out flying at that point. Um, and then what you really want is is warm days. You want days where it's getting to be eighty degrees, and that's when the flies get active. You know, and they and they mate, and then they get up in the trees, and they you know have a little post coital nap and the wind blows and 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 now the fish start eating them and once the fish starts eating that dry fly there can still be nymphs in the river and, and they just want that big dry bug because it's just such easy pickings we've all seen that fly land on on the river and it's just panic mode it's like oh i'm gonna die i'm <laughs> gonna die and and sure enough they they do a lot they, they get munched. yeah and then you've got you know probably anywhere from you know three to four weeks where they're still gonna be around if you have Uh, really hot weather for a week or a week and a half that can accelerate the whole process and and the dry fly fishing actually the period during which we expect to to get them on dry flies get shorter you know where we've been in this sort of changeable pattern here and it can kind of prolong the hatch so um but yeah once the dry flies are out boy if you have a, a a a series of three or four days where it's getting to be 80 degrees it's game
0: on for for the dry sweet um typically when you're just fishing sand flies what, what kind of water are you looking to fish like tied in deep water have you noticed you know anything different at different times of day where fish might be holding for looking up at sandflies? seems like they're usually all over the place but you'd be in a a long-time guide down there you probably have a little better experience knowing where they might be hanging out
1: yeah there's no real secrets there i mean obviously you got a, a big green alder hanging over the river on a hot day um there's gonna be some fish posted up right behind it and even underneath it um and sometimes we can get up there with the bow and arrow cast it's classic you just get right up in behind the tree and just shoot that fly up under the tree itself and the fish are up in there um you know the fish hang out during salmon fly in water they don't typically hang out in you know it's the it's really the one hatch that we have on the lower deschutes where these fish will will completely post up in water they're they're not usually in and probably not comfortable in and so you get them right up against the banks where you have that that tall grass that's kind of hanging out right over the river and yeah i mean we've seen fish blow up next to the grass you know and then in the first five feet out from the grass so if I got a riprap bank with some grass on it that's leading up to some alders we're gonna start down that bank and yeah we're really expecting the fish to be up under and behind the alder tree but all the way up that bank you know and it's not like a, a, a mayfly hatch or a caddis where we got a fish that's just feeding regularly and we can see him feeding and we get to target this fish we're just targeting that kind of water, likely water. So start, you know, 100 or 200 feet down from this tree. And there's going to be fish against that bank that are eating the flies that are falling out of the tree and not getting crushed right away, but drifting down the bank. But also the, the, the flies that are getting blown out of the grass where they hang out and mate. Um, and yeah, we'll just put one right against the bank a foot out, another foot out, two feet out from there, another couple feet out from there, move up five feet and repeat the process. And just get a mounted line you're comfortable casting and, and just slap that chubby down.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Is there any other tactics you would recommend using while samifly fishing or um, fishing the same fly hatch?
1: We've had a lot of of fish eat uh, droppers this year. And that might be just because we've been fishing them more, you know, and everything from, you know, that, uh, tungsten bead jig, uh, prince nymph that we have now, uh, put that thing a foot and a half or two feet off the back of your chubby and, um, and fish all the classic water, but also fish kind of the riffly water, uh, and, and been getting eaten and also little, um, little Jimmy legs, little black and peacock jimmy legs same thing you know foot and a half two feet off the back of a chubby the great thing about a chubby is it'll float these flies and uh and so yeah if you're if you're one of those days where the fish just really aren't crushing dry flies or if it's kind of a a crappy day out and, and you're just not getting a lot of top water action but you don't want to go bobber fishing because who wants to really go bobber fishing during the salmon fly hatch put a put a dropper off the back of a of a chubby and, and you know, fish the likely water, but also as far as the banks and behind trees and stuff, but also fish the riffles and the little drop-offs and the slots where, you know, fish might hang out if they're not keyed in on salmon flies. If they're just, you know, back out in their riffly spots eating eating mayfly nymphs and stray stonefly nymphs and stuff like that. So yeah, the dry dropper, boy, this year has been a little bit of a revelation for me that way. How, how much success we've had on that dropper fly. That's cool.
0: When you're fishing a dropper during salmon fly, are you going with fluorocarbon tippet material or nylon? And what what, what are you looking at as far as size?
1: You know, the yeah, the fluoronylon debate rages on for sure. Um, the uh, fluorocarbon is an advantage if you're subsurface, period. You know, I, I don't really think there's an argument there. Is it enough of a... <laughs> an advantage to warrant the the extra cost of it um i would say yeah and that's from you know years of being down on the deschutes and just feeling like you know those fish do get pressure and they and they do they are native fish so they're more likely to be just to shy away from something that looks unnatural Um, and so you know to my mind Boy, we've got to pay these fish a lot of respect, and we got to do everything we can do to to, to give it the best presentation we can. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm a fluorocarbon advocate for sure on so the lower to shoots.
0: You're looking during you know two x to three x to the chubby, and probably similar going down. During no. you're going a little lighter. No, I would
1: I would say probably if it was that little chubby, probably some four, and if it's that um, if it's like a, a that tungsten beaded jig prince or rubber leg Hairsy, or something like that's probably on five
0: sweet and yeah you feel like the trap down there are a little more hot during salmon fly when they eat it and run you a little more or how do you feel their fight is a well different same year round or
1: you you know the the biologists <clears throat> say that the red bands and the deschutes river all things being equal and i think what they mean by that is us not being around Um, that the red bands down there would get somewhere in the neighborhood of 70% of their annual protein intake during the salmon fly hatch that includes the nymphal migration through the last adults being around so um, we would see we would see you know fish that are so jacked up they're so roided out on protein that yeah I mean they're it's easily the strongest that you'll ever meet a red band. I mean, we see what, twelve and thirteen inch red bands just flat out spool you on, you know, on three X yeah. down there this time of year. And you'll you'll get one of these fish in your hands and their bellies are just protruding with the big bugs in there. And um yeah, the next the next hottest time of the year for them is when they're on the Chinook Reds and they're getting those stray eggs, which is also a lot of protein. But um yeah, they're super hot during salmon fly. Yeah
0: pretty fun um so probably one of the last questions i have for you is um what would you say your rod and reel setup would be just you know your standard five nine foot five weight or your six weight you know can get a little tighter for casting as a short rod better you know what do you what would you prefer using during salmon fly yeah i i really think
1: that this is a great time for your good old nine foot five weight you know um depending on your Casting style um, and ability. Uh, I like softer rods personally. I think that they're a little bit more fun to cast. Uh, they obviously protect tip it, and they're and they're really fun to play fish on. Um, but you know, this this bug can be hard to cast if it gets windy on anything that's that's too soft that doesn't have enough backbone. So you know, you you would you would t- start talking about you know this would be where your 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 B three or your sagex or something like that would really earn its price tag would be your nine foot five weight casting this big fly um out there this time of year it's just uh it's the the tools for the job and uh and it's the most fun way to fish it if you don't have a good stout five then it's gonna have to be a six weight probably just to move these flies around totally
0: um yeah so we're coming into june now what's uh What's next on the docket for the trout uh, on the Deschutes River? What tactics are you going to be switching to and looking for? You know, probably dropping the 2x down to 5x any day now. Yeah. So, yep,
1: yep. You know, we're going to look for uh, look for those first really hot days of June that will kind of usher in the, the main part of the caddis hatch. Uh, We've been seeing caddis down there, they're hatching, they're around, and and so are the PMDs. There's actually been nice hatches down there of the other insects as well. Um, So as the the salmon fly wanes and then we have another maybe week or or two, who knows, of of the golden still being around and and still being able to throw some big dries in the likely spots. but no, we're going to start transitioning more into, you know, your your caddis pupa and and having some elk hair caddis and some foam bodied caddis and things like that tan and and light olive um, 16s, 18s. Uh, when the hatch really gets going, we can use some bigger ones down there and then you know going back to our classic our classic mayfly nymphs, you know, everything from traditional pheasant tails to to you know the trinas um Angel case flies work really good down there, anatomies, um, good old fashioned prince nymphs, and then, you know, guides choices and, and, uh, and the rubber leg hairs ears and LaFontaine sparkle pupas and things like that, um, you know, on a pretty regular basis. And yeah, going down to, going down to 5X and then eventually even going down to 6X once we get into the, the dog days of, of summer for sure. Yeah. We'll see those before
0: we know it. Yep. So, cool. Well, uh, thanks, man. That was great, and uh, we'll see sandflies next year. No doubt. Thank you for tuning into this podcast from Fine Field Outfitters. Please subscribe to our page for updates on new podcasts that we release, and stay tuned for more coming throughout the summer. Thanks a lot.